There's a bunch of frauds in our industries, whether it's football, business, academia, wherever we're at, there's a bunch of fake people walking around. And at the end of the day, our culture wants to see people who are real. And is this true conviction that we have? Hey, Tribe, that voice you heard at the top of this episode was none other than Pastor Rocky Seto. He's going to take you inside his journey from being a Super Bowl winning coach with the Seattle Seahawks to becoming a preacher in the pulpit. Let's take a listen to Rocky Seto. Pastor Seto, welcome to the Tribe. It's great to have you. Thanks for coming on. My pleasure. Thanks for having me on the Tribe. So let me ask you this. Um, Let's say that I walked into your 11th grade English class, pull you out of there and say, Rocky, what do you want to be when you grow up? What would the answer have been? I want to play football for the University of Southern California. That was clear. That's an easy one. I knew that. I knew that as a junior high schooler. Wow. 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 And so you eventually, you get there. Talk about sort of the process after you know, leaving high school and you spent time in sort of the junior college ranks. Tell me about the process of, you know, that football life after high school. Well, I went to Arcadia High School in Southern California, which is outside of Pasadena near the Rose Bowl. And I wasn't good enough physically, mentally, academically to go to USC, the University of Southern California. And uh, so I had to choose a junior college. So the choice was I applied to a couple of colleges per my parents' requests and just say, hey, man, time to grow up, get your college degree. And I was like, well, I can't play football. They go, forget about all that. I just said, just trust me. Let me just go to a junior college. And they were apprehensive because we've had friends that were in a junior college system for years. You know what I mean? You get kind of buried there if you don't, if you don't get serious about your school. But I chose Mount San Antonio College, and uh, which for the reason I did that was – the head coach was All-American at the University of Southern California in 1962. Bill Fisk is the head coach, and uh, <laughs> that's why I went there. And then I spent three years there and then walked on under John Robinson, and and then that was it. I was on. For folks that don't know, this is a mixed tribe. Coach John Robinson, I mean, a legend in the game. What was it like walking on, first of all, walking on to the campus of the University of Southern California and then getting a chance to – to, to walk on and play for a coach like Coach Robinson? Oh, it was crazy. It was all God. This is what happened. When I applied, I got into school, accepted into school, and I said, hey, Coach Fisk, did you get a hold of their coaches to see if I could play on their team? And he goes, yeah, but they haven't sent me anything back. So the whole goal, you got to understand, was for me to play football at USC. And if I was going to go to school, and it's expensive, I didn't want to go to school without being able to play there. So, And the problem is it was in March, and training camp was in August. I was accepted for the fall, which would have been in August. And I'm like, well, I need to hear something back. So I got in my Nissan pickup truck, drove east, about 40 minutes east, parked on campus. And my hope was to run into the coach somehow. I had no appointment. They didn't know I was coming. None of that. <laughs> so I went to Heritage Hall, which is our athletic uh, facility at the time. Now they got this incredible place. But I remember looking at this, uh, uh, the four Heismans we had at the time. We, had, we have seven now, but four at the time. Mm. And 
I looked at Mike Garrett, O.J. Simpson, Marcus Allen, and I was happened to be looking at Charles White's Heisman. And right as I was looking at it, checking it out, I was going, man, this is the place I want to be. I looked up, and my prayers were answered. I saw Coach Robinson walking across the hall above me. So what I did was I ran upstairs, and as, as I was hearing him come back, I hid behind the corridor, and I jumped in front of him as if it was some accidental bump. You're like, oh. <laughs> and I said, hey, Coach. And I just said, hey, Coach, I'm so-and-so. Can I have a moment? And that was the moment of truth. He could either say, no, I'm busy, which would have been totally understandable as a head coach of a university. But he, but he graciously, God showed me favor. He graciously let me in, and we spent about 10, 15 minutes in his office. He just, he and I, and he said, what can I do for you? And he goes, and I told him, hey, I want to play football for your team. I'll do whatever it takes to help your team win. And he threw a legal pad, uh, pad down and said, write down your information. And about two weeks later, I'm getting a, a letter in the mail saying, hey, reporting dates on August 8th. Come on, be there. And I was on the team from that moment on. And that's what happened. Hold on, hold on, hold on, hold on. Let me just back that's up That's what here. happened. I'm <laughs> telling you. I know. I know. It sounds crazy, but that's what happened. A couple of things. You know, this, this podcast is for folks who, you know, they need a little nudge to take a risk in life. And yeah. the fact that you went and kind of staked, I mean, first of all, there aren't a lot of people who would physically go to the place where they want to be in life and just hope and pray that they encounter the person that could help them get there. Right. Like a lot of people, yeah. are, they'll write letters, maybe, you know, maybe they'll make phone calls, but actually physically showing up like what how nervous were you to do that? I mean, was this easy for you? Bro, I'm just telling you, I was consumed with this goal and dream of playing football at the University of Southern California. I mean, it was my identity. You know what I'm saying? It was my purpose. And I was like, the one thing I grew up as a boy, although I wasn't a Christian at the time, like I didn't want to have any regrets. And what would have been regretful is not that I didn't make the team. What would have been regretful is I didn't do everything I could to make this happen. And so this is just yet another example of like God God opened up a door and if I have a little crack I want to poke my head through it and see what happens and sure enough man it was just uh, it, it happened the way I hoped it would have happened and it did. Can you tell us what were people saying around you like I mean this is like a dream that you had for a long time so what were the folks who were supportive and the folks who were not so supportive saying about your dream of playing at USC. I remember talking to, I was, uh, I was in a senior class as a sophomore at my high school and, and I was in government for whatever reason. My counselors put me in there. So I was in the classroom with a bunch of seniors and I said, Hey man, I'm going to play football at USC someday. And they just looked at me like I was crazy and whatever. But in my mind, I thought, man, I got a chance. If I work hard enough, I've seen enough Rocky movies. I've seen Rudy. You know, I go, man, it could happen. I thought that's, that's how I thought, man. I was a, very optimistic. And I don't know how, but if, as long as I tried my hardest, I thought I had a chance. And even to my parents, you know, they're first-generation Japanese-American immigrants, my dad's a gardener. I mean, we're a blue-collar family. This is a very foreign thing. Like, what? You could play football at USC. And even to them, to, they were just like, man, just go get your college education. We'll be happy with that. But to their credit, they supported me through it, through my dream. And 
I just say this much to the listeners. Hmm. If God gives you a dream, go for it, man. Go for it as hard as you can and, and fight for that dream and, and see what happens. And that's what uh, God gave me. And then I just went with it. Wow. So 97, the season opener. Can you describe what it felt like to run out of the Coliseum Tunnel? You know, you're playing Florida State, another big time program in the country. I mean, yeah. how how fast was your heart pumping coming out of that tunnel? It was ridiculous. I mean, it was a nighttime game, a 5.30 kickoff game on ABC. Keith Jackson was there. Bobby Bowden was the head coach. I mean, and Florida State was rolling. I mean, they're rolling now, but they're rolling back then. And 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 then I was thinking to myself, this is going to be awesome. It was packed. It was, it was under the lights. I went running out of the tunnel. And I thought, this is awesome. But in the in the back of my mind, some, I had a gulp that happened. I go, this is awesome, but there's got to be more to it than this. And you got to understand, as a boy, this is my identity. This is all I wanted to do. And that moment on, God showed me that I needed more to it than, than playing football at USC. As a boy, I thought, man, if I only played football at the University of Southern California, my life would be set. And as, as God allowed me to achieve, achieve that dream, I knew I needed more. And that's when teammates started sharing me and uh, the gospel, which is the good news of Jesus Christ. And mm-hmm. people were telling me about, man, you got to have more to it than this. You got to have peace with God. And through Jesus, through his death and resurrection, I could be at peace with God. And that's when I became a Christian in 1998, soon after that. So you become a Christian in 1998. Yes. You finished that season with USC. And at yes. what point does coaching become something that you feel like you should pursue? Well, during that whole time, I was working to get into a doctorate school of physical therapy. And so 97 was my junior year. I walked on. And then 98 was my senior year. They gave me a scholarship. And I, I graduated with my undergrad degree with an emphasis in physical therapy. They actually accepted me into a program in 1999. And so I thought that's what I was going to do. My parents are happy. They're like, wow, this is great. Uh, my son's going to get a doctorate degree. That sounds like a good deal. Then I remember putting my $134 deposit down to save my spot. And about a week later, just the same feeling I had of wanting to play at USC. I had the same feeling of desire to wanting to coach all of a sudden. And I, and I, I talked to my parents and they said, no, no, this is, this has gone far enough. <laughs> You've got to play. Let's grow up. Go get your doctorate degree. And I said, no, trust me. I'll do my best. I'll go get my master's. Let me just see how this plays out. And I just had that same desire. I didn't want to have any regrets. And I talked to my head coach, Paul Hackett, at the time. Coach Hackett was awesome. I love the man. He just said, look, Rocky, go get your doctorate degree. You know, he's being fatherly to me, trying to help me out. He goes, coaching gets kind of crazy. It gets kind of hectic, man. You might have to move a lot, and you might get fired and all this stuff. But I think he was just loving on me. But once he saw that I was serious about it, he just said, look, I'll let you volunteer. And that's what happened. And I'm grateful to him. He Not only did God use Paul Hackett to give me a scholarship, he used Paul Hackett to give me my start into the coaching career. And I'm forever grateful to him. You know, Rocky, I hear you sort of describing how Coach Hackett, another you know famous coach, um, how he tried to steer you away from coaching. I had the same experience when I wrote letters to every team in the NFL. I'm like, I want to be a coach. And I remember talking to Coach Herm Edwards, 
who was with the Chiefs at nice. the time, and he's like, you don't want to do this. Just just go practice <laughs> law. And I'm like sitting there. I'm like, hey, coach, you're doing it. He's like, yeah, but hey, you're going to get fired. You're going to move around. You know, your wife's going to be packing <laughs> your boxes. And I'm like, no, coach, I want to, I want to, you know, I want to help guys. I want to be on the sidelines. I want to be in the game. And he spent the better part of a couple of weeks trying to dissuade me from coaching. But as, as you know, I mean, man, once that bug bites you, you got yeah. no chance, man. No, I mean, you had to do it, right? I mean, that's, that's the desire I had. And, Coach Edwards, Coach Hackett, these guys mean well. They want what's best because, you know, coaching isn't for everybody. You know, it gets kind of hectic, man. And uh, and and uh, if, unless you're called to do it, I would recommend look for a different line of work. You know. <laughs> yeah, tell tell some of these folks in the tribe. You know, I've always I'll tell war stories on here about sleeping in the office and you know eating peanut butter and jelly sandwiches. But go back to your days as a GA and just the, the grind of the season. What did that look like? <laughs> Oh, man, I mean, it was like early, like, I don't know, 6 o'clock in the morning to about 10 o'clock at night, just grinding, watching film, breaking down film. And at the same time, I'm trying to get my master's degree in public administration, trying to write 10-page papers and, and make presentations in front of classmates who know way more about what I'm talking about than <laughs> I'm talking about. I mean, I was getting my doctorate in football, you know what I'm saying, So <laughs> and coaching. So it's like when I'm trying to – uh, talk about public administration. These are like city planners and people who've been in the career in the industry for years. And I'm just trying to get my degree, you know, so it was humbling. It was humbling to say the least, but everyone was gracious. And, uh, they, you know, they kind of understood where I was coming from and they're great. And, uh, but it was a grind. You're not kidding, man. It was a grind and trying to go through it. And, but I tell you what, those are memorable stories. You look backwards and go, man, I can't believe I went through all that. I can't believe the people I got to work with, um, guys like Ed Ogeron were great to me, and um, who's the head coach at LSU now. But Coach Carroll, it, it, you know, he's a he's been a giant. I thank God for Coach Carroll in my life, and you know, we got to really do stuff together. And he really helped me grow, and he mentored me through through my coaching experience. And we were together for 16 years. Talk about when Coach Carroll takes over, and you know, Pete Carroll now head coach of the Seattle Seahawks. Uh, you know, this is a man, and I'm not just saying this, Rocky, because you're on, but here's a man who has really taken the coaching profession and expanded it beyond X's and O's. I mean, for, yeah. his philosophy on life, and, and he lives it. You know, it's one thing for coaches to talk about wanting to develop players away from the field, and it's one thing to talk about wanting the game to become safer, but this is a guy who's actually implemented practices. I mean, whether it's yoga, meditation, um, new ways of tackling so that players are, are having fewer head-on collisions. I mean, he's putting it into practice. Talk about yeah. sort of meeting him for the first time and, and getting to learn under him at USC. Well, meeting for the first time was all the Lord, man, because at the time, so we got let go coach Hackett staff got let go a few years later in 2001 and i'm thinking to myself man my career is over before i started maybe i should have got my doctor in physical therapy <laughs> coach Hackett was right i should have listened to him and and i was dating my wife at the time and and uh and she had a roommate who played volleyball and we just got let go maybe a week earlier and she says let's go to the volleyball game and I really wasn't feeling it, man. I'm just telling you. I'm being honest with you. I was like, I just got fired. Are you serious? I, I don't want to show my face around. But 
she was the best thing I had going for me. So I would say, yeah, let's go. <laughs> I don't want to mess this up. <laughs> so I went to the game and I started having a good time. And this is the Lord, man. I sure enough, I'm watching it. And I turn around behind me and I, and I said, Charlotte, I think that's Coach Carroll. And at the time, you got to understand, this is not Pete Carroll of the Seahawks, Pete Carroll of two national championships. This was Pete Carroll, the guy who got fired two times in the NFL. And, and he was like a dark horse candidate. And there's guys like Mike Bellotti, Dennis Erickson, uh, Mike Riley, uh, uh, Mark Rick. Those were the kind of the uh, favored uh, candidates to take over for Coach Hackett. And Coach Carroll was just a dark horse candidate. But I just introduced myself to him and said, hey, I'm Rocky Seto. I work with the football team. Good luck to you. Well, a week later, one of the athletic directors, Steve Lopes, asked me for to help him out. He goes, I got a job for you. I said, sure, I'm, <laughs> I'll help out any way I can. And my job was to drive with him to the LAX Marriott so that I could take Coach Carroll's rental car back as they were going to introduce him at, at the press conference as a new head coach. That was my first job of driving his rental car back. And, and, and I saw him at the LAX Marriott driveway and said, hey, coach. He goes, hey, Rocky, good to see you again. And from that moment on, you know, we worked together for the last next 16 years, and it was incredible. <laughs> right? It's not nuts. You go to a volleyball game, man. Yeah, man, just trying to do the right thing, man. And, and it was for, for my girlfriend, and the Lord added that Coach Carroll would have been there, and he was there watching his daughter play volleyball for USC. Wow. Yeah. Talk about, you know, watching Coach Carroll come in and – you know, I'm going to use the word rebuild. Uh, obviously, USC is a historic program. But what did that? What was that like to watch him sort of take this program and back to prominence? Yeah, it was neat, man. It was a struggle. That first year, we we were barely maybe above 500. We lost in the Vegas Bolts, Utah. We had to fight tooth and nail to get, get there. But the biggest thing what I learned from Coach Carroll is this. You have to know who you are. And that's one of the ways that he tries to, uh, to develop his coaches and players. And he spent a whole year after getting let go by the New England Patriots trying to develop his philosophy and all the stuff that you talked about. And to drive him to guide a football program as storied as USC. And, and he spent that whole year trying to develop a personal philosophy, and that's what he did. And we were the beneficiaries of that at USC and at, now at the Seattle Seahawks. Wow. So knowing who you are, you know, I, I teach 300 students a year and I call them the Instagram generation. You know, everyone is, there's so much noise in the system right now, right? I mean, you, yeah, can, you yeah, can go totally. to so many different outlets and, and people are trying to tell you who you are, who you should be. But yeah. having that inner confidence to know who you are, I mean, that's something, it seems like it's been a constant thread throughout your life. Yeah, I mean, ultimately, like, you know, my idol, my identity was tied into being a football player, and um, and in particular at USC. But as soon as Jesus came and dominated my life, he became the treasure of my life. He's the Lord of my life. That changed everything. He became my identity. And knowing that I serve God himself, Jesus, I don't operate with fear anymore. The only fear is like this the, the, not obeying him and going for it for him. You know what I mean? And mm. where people are, I think, are plagued with this fear of failure, fear of what people think of them, fear if it doesn't work out, fear of like uh, being ridiculed. And 
that's our culture, man. And I, I just think that I just know that the more you know who you are and, and ultimately know you're a child of God through Jesus Christ, I mean, what else matters? And even if it doesn't work out, and really that's where um, that's kind of been guiding me in my coaching career now as a pastor. Um, that really helped me in, in terms of just making decisions with confidence. Woo! Hey, Tribe. Be sure to tune in next week to part two of this conversation with Coach Rocky Seto.